this is Thanksgiving season, right? But the truth is, you know, outside of kind of a dinner and perhaps a, a you know, I'm not coming down on anybody, a, a shallow prayer of grace before dinner that might, you know, you're thankful, but it, it, it's not going to entail a deep, thankful prayer meeting, right? It's, you know, and if it does, you're going to be eating while the other guy's praying, right? It's going to be basically, thank you, God. And, and, and it doesn't mean that we're not thankful, right? It just means that there's really not a ton of emphasis on thankfulness typically, right? Thankfulness in most people's lives is kind of a back burner issue. It doesn't mean it's not important. It doesn't mean if somebody didn't come up to you and say, are you thankful to God for all that he's done? Absolutely you are. But it's not something, you guys, that, that runs your life on a daily basis. It's not something that you constantly just dwell on if it's in the front burner. There's natural gratitude that everybody has. You're happy when the sun's out, right? Amen. How many of you are happy when it's over 70 degrees? Amen, right? That is, that is a gratitude, right? <laughs> um, you're, you're thankful for maybe a job or a career, and you're thankful for relationships and kids and all of that stuff, right? That's, that's kind of a, a, a natural gratitude that you don't really have to be a believer in order to be thankful. It's not like only Christians are thankful, right? Now, non-believers may not know who they're thankful to for these things, but the truth is, you guys, generally speaking, we're thankful for the things that we receive, right? So for example, in Exodus chapter 15, Moses and the children of Israel sing this song of thankfulness after they're delivered. They're so excited that they're not in Egypt anymore, that they're not slaves anymore. They break out into this song on the other side of of the Red Sea. They're grateful, and there's nothing wrong with that. They should be grateful, right? You look at somebody like Hannah. Hannah was barren for years, and she prayed constantly that God would give her a son. And when she finally got her prayer answered, and she got a son, in 1 Samuel 2, she breaks out into this prayer of thankfulness. She is so deeply thankful that God heard her. And that's good. She should be, right? The leper in Luke chapter 17, who, who was healed by Jesus, there were 10 of them, and they all went their way, and one guy came back, and to Jesus, he said, I just want to thank you. And Jesus said, well, where are the rest of them? He's like, I don't know. I want to thank you. And so here's a guy who received healing. Here's Hannah who received a child. Here's the children of Israel who received liberty and freedom, and they were thankful. And listen, for most people, you guys, here, we would say that we're thankful for things that we receive, right? We have grateful hearts. However, there's a different type of gratitude, a different type of thankfulness that should captivate our hearts daily. It may not be, I may not be grateful that I got, you know, or my wife has like, you know, 30 pairs of shoes in her closet. It's not running her life. She may not be grateful, or I may not be grateful, the fact that I can go into my garage and I can find a tool for anything, for any job, you know, and that's just a wonderful thing. That may not run my life every day, but there are things. There are things that should be at the top of our hearts and should be on the front burner. If you have your Bible, turn to Psalm 100. Psalm 100, that's where we're going to be this morning Folks, Psalm 100 is an invitation. It is an invitation to approach God and to come into his presence. Now, 
I don't know if you've ever gotten a birthday, a birthday party, um, you know, invite or typically in wedding, um, you know, invites, you'll, you'll see a little thing that'll say registered at, right? If, if it's a birthday party and you're registering, you know, you're kind of selfish and greedy. I'm just going to call it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But not really. Um, but weddings, it's typical, right? You register for gifts, okay? And, and typically when you register for gifts, what you're saying is, look, the bride and groom are inviting you, and, and they're not going to sit there and, and check your gift as cover charge, right? They're not going to do that. But generally speaking, there's an expectation that if you show up to an occasion, that you're going to actually bring something, right? You're going to show up with something in your hands. Well, Psalm 100, folks, is an invitation to worship the one and only true God. It's an invitation to you and I. And should a person choose to accept this invitation, it's going to tell us that we are expected to bring something. We are not expected to show up empty-handed. Let's read Psalm 100. It's a short psalm. Verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his and we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name because the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. How many of you guys here have family members or, you know, loved ones, maybe friends who, have, who were Christians and who passed on and died? Raise your hand. Okay. Let me encourage you with something this morning. And I pray that this truth drenches your soul in anticipation for what's ahead that just soaks in deeply so you can kind of understand what's awaiting. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Let me read this to you. We know that if this tent, this body, that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan longing to put on our heavenly body or dwelling, if indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal, this body, may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God." Verse 6, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in this body, we are away from the Lord. And verse 8, yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from this body and at home with the Lord. So don't miss what he's saying. He's saying is, look, as a Christian, you are at home here in this body, and by virtue of that, there is an absence with God. Now, obviously, you got God's presence, but what he's talking about is that face-to-face -face relationship, that walking in the garden in the cool of the day, it's me, it's him, it's what the Bible says we now see in part, we see through a glass dimly, but then we'll see face-to-face. -face. So what he's saying is, in this this life, you got a gap between you and him, and you can't erase it in this body. 
But those people who have passed on, those friends of yours that have loved the Lord, there is no space between him and them now. They are looking at each other face to face. They are known, just, or that they know just as they are fully known and they are experienced listening. They are experiencing the fullness of what we only experience in part. They see all of it. They see what they read about. They've entered a timeless, you know, experience. And now they see God and who it was that they were worshiping in this life with no sin attached, with no barriers. It is just them and him, and they get the fullness of God. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man even imagine what God has prepared for those that love him. What God is saying there is, I can't even explain to you. I can't put it, you don't have the vernacular. I can't put it into words. You don't have the mind and the imagery to understand what I got waiting for you. It can't be explained to you. But they understand it now. But here's what we do know. There is such an awareness right now in heaven. There is such an awareness that we know of God's holiness, this ongoing perpetual occasion for the adoration of Jesus, that nobody's bored. Nobody's sitting around waiting for the party to start. Kind of like, well, what are the rest of these people can get here so we can get this show on the road? There is this awareness of God's holiness. There is this complete satisfaction that you and I only get a glimpse of right now. Psalm 1611 says, In God's presence there is fullness of joy, and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. What they are experiencing is a joy that is uninterrupted by life. And there is a complete utter and total satisfaction with the pleasures at the right hand of God. They have all of heaven and they are experiencing all of Jesus and the space between them and us is so thin. It is so thin that it is a blink and a breath away. That's how thin it is. And the Lord sends an invitation for you and I to be a part of what they're experiencing right now. For us to be a part of it. You'll experience the fullness, I'll experience the fullness later. But we can be a part of that right this second. That veil between our two realities does not erase the experience that a person can have with God. You won't get the full experience until you see him face to face. But the invitation is come. And when you do so, bring something. Psalm 100 verse 4 tells you what to bring. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. As I mentioned earlier, you can be thankful for a lot of things. You can be thankful for your job. How many of you are thankful for your health, right? How many of you are thankful that you have a, a strong, unaching back? You should be. You should be really thankful, <laughs> right? 
Just saying, right? This brother gets, he's first in line. <laughs> How many of you are thankful for your kids? You're like, sometimes. <laughs> you should be. How many of you are thankful for your marriage or for the release of a marriage? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> There's a lot of things, folks. These are great things to be thankful for. But if this is the depth of our thankfulness to God, then we are missing being a part of what Psalm 100 is inviting us to. We're missing it. What do I mean? Revelation chapter 4 and 5 shows us this reality in heaven. It shows us that there's angels in Revelation 4 around the throne of God. You see it again in Isaiah 6. Holy, holy, holy. There is one focus in heaven and there's an awareness of the awe and awesomeness of God as they're just circling night and day. There ain't even night and day there. They're just constantly, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And this is what they do. This is what they're created for. But not only that, we're also shown in, in, in Revelation 4 that there's people, there's 24 elders around the throne, and what they do in worship is they bow and they cast their crowns before the one who sits on the throne. But in Revelation 5, we're told all of heaven is singing a song. All of heaven is singing a song right now. And it's in this song, you guys, that we find this idea of what is very much wrapped in Psalm 100, inviting us in this life to be a part of. Here's what Revelation 5 says, verse 9. Here's the song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God. This is the reality in heaven. This is the song that all of heaven, we're told ten thousands upon ten thousands sing this song. Elders cast their thrones down. Holy, holy, holy. This is what's happening as lightning and thunder is around this throne. There is an awness and an awareness of the holiness of God right now. And it is intertwined with Psalm 100 it's so intertwined, you can't miss it. Verse 1 of Psalm 100, make a joyful noise all the earth. An invitation to earth to participate in a worship service while here and not being able to see completely what it is you're worshiping and who it is you're worshiping. An invitation. In verse 2 of Psalm 100, come into his presence and sing. An invitation into his presence. Just like you see in Revelation 4 and 5, in his presence, there's singing, constant singing. Verse 3 of Psalm 100 alludes to all God's people joining in. Just as in Revelation 5, it says every kindred, nation, and tongue is present at this amazing gathering. Folks, Psalm 100 is an invitation to enter God's presence while you're on earth and to give thanks. For what? For what? Because he kept you healthy? Because he gave you a strong back? Because he gave you five kids? I want to give one back. 
Because he gave you a beautiful marriage? Because he gave you a wonderful career? Because he gave you a bank account? Because he gave you friends? Because he put you in a wonderful loving home? Because he put clothes on your back? Listen, all of those things are good and every good gift comes from above, but that is not the depth of what we thank God for because in the end, that's a thankfulness that only goes as deep as what I receive. There's something way more here. And he tells us three things that are to be in the heart of a person who loves God to be thankful for. Three things that are not very dissimilar from what you read is taking place in heaven right now. First, we're told we're to thank him and bless his name because the Lord is good. Because he's good. The goodness of God. Man, it is such a broad truth. Certainly, it has to refer to God's general goodness to all mankind, right? I mean, you could be in here, you could be watching online. You don't have to believe in God in order to receive the goodness of God. You've got breath in your lungs. He gave you the breath. Don't acknowledge him. It's still true, right? He is the one that gave you a career. He's the one that gave you the kids. He's the one that gave you everything. And so, listen, the goodness of God is certainly general. Psalm 145.9 says the Lord is good to all. To everybody, because that's who he is. That's his character. And certainly I think it refers to the generosity and the provisions of God that he gives to people. Jesus said in Matthew, 11, in Matthew 7, 11, if you being evil know how to good, give good gifts to your children, how much more shall God give good things to those people who ask him? So he's generous. Are, are you poor? He's generous to you. Are you wealthy? He's generous to you. And so these are certainly aspects of God's goodness that are praiseworthy. We should. But when I read Revelation 5, you guys, and the song they sing in heaven, they refer to God being holy. They refer to God being worthy. And these are terms of God's moral goodness. That God is good. Folks, in 29 years of a Christ, as a Christian, I have tried so hard to be good. I have tried to do everything that Christianity tells me a good person or a good Christian does. I, I go to church. Why? Because good Christians do that. And, and I pray. Why? Because good Christians do that. And, 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 I, and I don't try to, you know, I, I, I left my old life behind. And so I don't get high and I don't get drunk and I don't do stupid things. And I don't sleep with people that, that, that aren't my spouse. And I try to be good. Because that's what I'm supposed to do. But inevitably, I don't know about you, inevitably my goodness betrays me. Inevitably, whatever goodness I attain to, it just takes an afternoon, a night, a second on the phone talking to somebody, and all of a sudden my goodness crashes and burns. And I find then that I'm in this, this tumultuous situation where I'm desiring and wanting to be good, but I just can't seem to attain it and hold on to it for any length of time. It always lets me down. Speaking about mankind, Job said in Job 14.4, who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean thing? There is no one. 
If man is unclean, I can spend my time trying to develop a cleanness that comes out of me, but in the end, I'm going to betray, my own conduct is going to betray me, and I'm going to be left in the same place. Where's goodness? And many people, some, some of you watching online, you're pursuing goodness as if it can be found or if it could be bought because you're a faithful church goer and giver and bought with your conduct and bought with your wallet if somehow you could just obtain goodness and you can't find it because it constantly eludes you and some of you know exactly what i'm saying folks we are invited into the presence of god thanking him for his goodness for his incorruptibility for his moral achievement, if you want to call it that. For his, who he is. He is he's, by his very nature, he is righteous and good. And that is a goodness that he gives to you and me to make us clean. It's not something you find. It's something you're given. You guys, for me, there's no better verse in the New Testament that describes this truth than in Hebrews 10, 14. Let me read this to you. Hebrews 10, 14. For by a single offering, Jesus has perfected for all times those who are being sanctified. Let me tell you what that means. For by a single offering, Christ's sacrifice, he has perfected, has perfected, you guys, is a, is a verb, and, and it's in a tense called the perfect tense. It means it's done. It's completed. Nothing more has to happen. So we are to be thankful. He says, for by a single offering, Jesus has perfected all people who trust in him for all time, those who are being sanctified. And that word, are being, means are in the process. So here's what he's saying. You as a Christian right now, because of the goodness of God that has been attributed to you, you, as you sit here, have been perfected for all time because of the goodness of God as you are being perfected, is what he's saying. How can that be? Because it is God's goodness that has been put to your account, you guys. We are to be thankful for God's goodness because it's God's goodness that makes us good in his eyes. That's it. He lived the life that you're pursuing. He, 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 he took all of perfection when he became a human being and put it in a body. And now perfection dies and offers you the good and perfect nature of God so that when God sees you, he sees his son. That is something that should be on the front burner of our life every day. That is something we are thankful for because I can cease from my work. I don't have to toil and labor for something that God gives freely and who God alone possesses.